Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hot town, summer in the city. Back of my neck, getting dirty and gritty. <laughs> Just that little, was an interesting choice for little, this episode. A little love and spoonful for you guys out there. All right, then. Uh, we actually have a little bit of business to get to before we jump right into the topic, and that is some listener mail. This listener mail comes from Ted, and Ted says, I'm a regular listener of the podcast, and it's been great to listen to on my commute to and from my co-op this summer. I'd like to hear about how air conditioning HVAC units work. We design and build them, among other things, at my co-op company, and after helping to put one together and test it, I'm still not clear on how it works. I would also appreciate an episode about how capacitors work in circuits as a supplement to the article on the HowStuffWorks site. Lastly, could you talk about Google Plus as well as Windows 8? Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work and good jokes. Ted. 
Well, Ted, we're going to talk about air conditioners today, but stick around because right after we record this, we're recording our episode about Google+. Plus. Yeah, because, you know, a couple people have asked for that. Yeah, and by a couple, I mean, you know, dozen. And I, I plan on scheduling the Google+. Plus episode to publish immediately after this one. So if this published on a Monday, look for it on Wednesday. If it published on Wednesday, look for it next Monday. All right, then. Because I, I don't have the calendar in front of me. But we're going to talk about air conditioning units. We're not actually going to talk about HVAC units today. We're just going to talk about air conditioners. Yeah, uh, because there's a bit to them. Yeah, there's a bit to them. And it's also uh, we in Atlanta right now are in the middle of a pretty nasty heat wave. It actually kind of broke a little bit. We, we have a little bit of a break in it right now. It's yeah, today. Uh, yeah, it's in the it's just it's only in the upper 80s with a heat index in the mid 90s today. Yeah. But recently we had a heat index over 107 degrees and really high humidity. So in Atlanta, that was pretty miserable. And a lot of the United States has been going through the same thing. This is, of course, the summer of 2011 from for all of you people who are from the future. Uh, so <laughs> we thought, you know what? We really appreciate air conditioning. So let's talk about how air conditioners work. Yeah, I actually uh – uh I actually am very grateful for the air conditioning, um, especially this last week. But um, the the answer to to the question, though, uh, how air conditioners work is sort of uh, it, it's not an easy one because there are different kinds of air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, it, it's all based on heat exchange, but the method of heat exchange differs from one to the other. Although I, I would say the majority of them. Uh, use the refrigerant method of heat exchange where you're compressing a liquid and then you are allowing it to boil off. Um, but that's a pretty complex issue. Did you want to talk about the other types really quickly or should I just launch into a science lesson? Well, I, I think it might be a good idea to go ahead and talk about the type of air conditioning that most of us use and sure. then maybe look at some of the others. Um, I do want to mention a name that is familiar to a lot of us, at least here in the United States. Uh-huh. Uh, that would be Willis Carrier. Yes. You might say, yeah, I don't know who that is. You're like, oh, wait, Carrier made air conditioners. Yes. Well, he, uh, this was in the early 20th century. So really the modern, uh, electrical air conditioner, of course, electricity not being that prevalent until, um, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, Carrier, uh, lived in Buffalo, New York in the United States. And um, he uh, came up with the idea of the dew point control, which is a, an air conditioning uh, system that basically uh, had to do with uh, sat- the saturation of cooled air and uh, which, you know, loses moisture through condensation. And that's mm. your science lesson, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about the relationship between pressure, temperature, liquids, gases. Okay. Uh, and, and the, it's important to understand this, this basic level of science in order to really get a grip on what an air conditioner is doing. I agree. Because otherwise I would, I could talk about what an air conditioner is doing, but you would say, well, why does that work? I know how mm-hmm. it works, but why does it work? Yeah. We do have an article on the, the site about that. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Actually, we have a great article on how air conditioners work. And that mm-hmm. one was written by Marshall Brain, who is the founder of HowStuffWorks.com. So this is, it's one of our flagship articles. If you really want to see some good animations and, and illustrations about it, I recommend checking that out. Uh, but we're going to talk first about well, some basic matter. Okay. So we know that matter is made up of teeny tiny particles. Yes. You know, atoms and molecules, mm-hmm. right? So with solids, this these particles are 
they're not really truly stationary. Okay, these are particles are always moving, but in in solids they're not moving a lot. Right. Yeah, they're packed closely together. Yeah, they're very very dense, and uh, that's why we think of them as solid. In liquids, uh-huh. <laughs> not that dense. In liquids, uh, they are these particles are allowed to move around, and they move around in, in a more or less random fashion. For all we know, it could be a very orderly fashion, but it's so orderly. It's like such a complex system that we're unable to understand it. So to us, we might as well say random. Yeah. Well, there's one molecule on the side going, okay, keep in, keep in the line, stay in the line. Yeah. If you, if you look really closely, you'll see one with those little, uh, those little cones that the air trap, you know, the, the people on the tarmac use and they're like, all right, coming in, go to the left. Uh, It's very hard to hold those with your electrons. Yeah. It is. is. That's why, that's why you hardly ever see them. Also, it's impossible to know where they are at any one time because of the uncertainty principle. Uh, wow. We're getting really kind of crazy <laughs> with our humor today. So anyway, all right, let's, let's get serious. So, so in liquid, these particles move around more or less randomly. Mm-hmm. And some of these particles are moving around with, an, with enough energy to break free of the surface of that liquid. Right. So mm-hmm. they will actually become a particle that is in a vapor above that liquid. Right. All right. Like water that evaporates and turns into water vapor. Sort of. But more I mean, like, more like water that's boiling off. But yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So the. I was trying to go for a, an image that people could. Yes. Yes. Very of. much. Very much so. Uh, so the way, the way you would get one of these particles to do that, to get enough energy to break freeze, you have to add energy into the system. Right. Right. So you, when you add energy into the system, these particles get more, uh, well, they get more energy, they start moving around more, and then they have, they may have enough energy to break free from the surface. So if you add heat, that's a form of energy. Yeah, like the boiling water. Right. So if you start adding heat to a liquid, uh, more of these particles will gain energy and be able to escape the surface of that liquid. If you get enough vapor so that it actually, uh, equals the atmospheric pressure that's on top of that liquid, that's when you hit the boiling point. Okay. All right. So let's say you've got a, a pot of water at sea level. Okay. All right. Now, boiling temperature for a pot of water at sea level is 212 degrees. Now, what that means is that when the water reaches 212 degrees, the particles in that water have enough energy to escape the surface of the water and the, the vapor uh, pressure is equal to atmospheric pressure. The water will boil and the water will not get any warmer than 212 degrees. You could have that fire pumped up as high as it's going to go. But the water temperature will be 212 degrees as it's boiling off. Now, once all the water's boiled off, if you have a thermometer in that pot, the thermometer is going to skyrocket you know, mm-hmm. at that point. But the temperature of the water itself will remain 212 because it's actually converting from liquid into gas. So that boiling point is, inf- is important to remember. It's, it's when, like I said, when the pressure of that vapor has uh, – uh, equaled the atmospheric pressure of the environment around it. So if you change the atmospheric pressure around that liquid, you change the boiling point. Mm-hmm. So if if the pressure is uh, – if there's less pressure than it would be at sea level, then it's going to take a lower temperature to make that water boil. Okay. If there is more pressure than there is at sea level, then it's going to take a higher temperature to make that water boil. Right. All right, so let's say that we have uh, put a lid on top of that pot. Okay, by putting the lid on top of that pot, we have decreased the air pressure or the atmospheric pressure on that liquid, so the water will boil faster. All right. If you take the lid off, then you have just uh, 
increase the atmospheric pressure because now more air is actually pressing down on that liquid. It's going to uh, actually increase the boiling point to its normal boiling point at that particular environment. Hmm. So now we've talked about how you you have uh, increased pressure, you've increased the temperature of the boiling point. Now that's the basics for what we're going to talk about with air conditioners. Because air conditioners are at least the, the typical ones you find in houses and buildings, uh, use pressure to use, to create a, a, a pressurized liquid that then turns into a depressurized gas. And it's a closed loop system. And the liquid in this case is a refrigerant. Right. So it tends to be some sort of, uh, of, of material that has a boiling point that is pretty low. Like it doesn't, it's not a very high temperature. In other words, in normal conditions, normal being like in everyday atmospheric conditions, that would be a gas. Right. Uh huh. So in the, uh, one of the common ones we talk about is Freon, which at this point is more or less a generic term, kind of like Xerox or Kleenex would, you know, I, those companies would argue they are not generic terms. But yes. They would argue, their lawyers would argue that. Yes. Certainly. But, but, People, People use effectively that. use them, right? Right. So, like you say, I'm going to Xerox this. You're you talk about you're making a copy, or the, or I'm going to Google this. In that case, you may be actually using Google, or you may just be using some search engine. Kind of the same thing when people talk about Freon, unless they're spe- talking about the specific uh, uh, refrigerant, it's more or less just refrigerants in general. Yeah, based on my experience recently, I haven't seen the actual product Freon in quite some time. I think for uh, concerns of uh, CFCs. Right, chlorofluorocarbons. Yes. Um, so I, I think that, that these days, I, I don't think Freon is used very much, if at all, uh, at least not in the United States. Um, of course, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I, there are other refrigerants too, so... You know, right. So what an air conditioner may vary. Yeah. What an air conditioner does is it, it pressurizes this refrigerant in one section. Think of think of the uh, air conditioner as a closed loop system that has a low pressure section and a high pressure section. Yep. All right. The and the guardians of this, you know, the the two elements that that separate the low pressure from the high pressure mm-hmm. are a compressor on one end of the loop. And a, uh, a valve on the other end of the loop, an expansion valve mm-hmm. on the other end of the loop. These two act as the gateway that keep the pressure high on one side and low on the other. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So, and it's hot on one side and cool on the other. Yes, exactly. Because as we pressurize the, uh, the refrigerant, the temperature of that uh, refrigerant goes up. Mm-hmm. All right. So the refrigerant normally at, at room temperature would be a gas. Mm-hmm. You use the compressor to compress this gas to a point where it's very, very dense, and then you run it through a series of coils mm-hmm. that allow the the uh, this high temperature pressurized gas to give off a lot of heat. It, right. The heat escapes into the ambient, uh, well, the the environmental atmosphere. So what the atmosphere has to be of a cooler temperature than the the pressurized gas, right? Yeah. For in order for heat to transfer, it has to go from high heat to low heat. You can't have something go low heat to high heat. So in other words, if I were to turn on my air conditioner and I happen to be in an incredibly hot environment, let's say that for argument's sake, it's 160 degrees outside and my pressurized refrigerant only gets up to a temperature of 140 degrees, that air conditioner is not going to work mm-hmm. because you are not going to have any heat exchange from the 
uh, actually you'll have the wrong sort of heat exchange, but you're not going to have any heat released from the refrigerant into the atmosphere because the atmosphere is actually warmer than the refrigerant even at its pressurized uh, state. Okay. All right, so you've got these coils that this heated gas, this compressed heated gas is moving through. Mm-hmm. As it moves through the coils and starts to release heat into the atmosphere, that means the gas cools. Well, as gas cools, it condenses. Right, right. And this is the process where a gas converts back into a liquid. Now, it's going to be at a liquid at a higher temperature than it normally would be because it's under pressure. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about that. The higher the pressure, the higher the boiling point. So once you get that temperature down below the boiling point of that pressurized substance, it condenses into a liquid. Mm-hmm. This is how we get things like liquid, uh, liquid hydrogen, liquid uh, oxygen, liquid nitrogen. You compress these gases to a very uh, condensed state, uh, compressed state, I should right, say, right. Mm-hmm. and it condenses into a liquid. And as long as you keep it under pressure, it will stay a liquid. If you release that pressure, then it immediately starts to boil off and convert into a gas. Right. Well, that's the secret. That's the secret of the uh, the the valve at the end of this loop, um, the expansion valve, because once it the pressurized gas gets to the expansion valve, that's what allows it to move into the low pressure system, and it immediately begins to boil off and s- essentially starts absorbing heat from the environment, just as it was releasing heat uh, when it was going through the the condenser coils. Now it's it's absorbing heat, which mm-hmm. means that the surrounding air loses heat. It, it transfers the heat from the air into this boiling uh, liquid that's becoming gas very, very quickly. Yeah. And then the surrounding air is cooled. That's the basis of an air conditioner. Yes. We can actually walk through those phases and go into more detail now. But that that's basically how it works. It's all about – really, you have two closed systems. You have the closed system of the refrigerant. Uh-huh. And then you have the closed system of the air inside whatever it is you're, you're cooling. Right. Because you're not pulling air in from the outside environment and then cooling it and then pushing it into the building. You're recycling the air that's inside the building and it's cooling it through the, by, by this heat exchange method. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just a little bit of HVAC. Some systems can reverse uh, this process. The way that it works, and yes. that's called a heat pump. I have one yes. of those on my house, as a yes. matter of fact, um, yeah. which is very convenient. Right. In that case, you're you're doing the same system, except you're you're reversing the process. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you are uh, recycling the warm air inside your house, right? And it's warming it instead of cooling it. Yeah, yeah. And injecting the cooler air outside from the process that actually takes place in the unit itself outside. Right. Because if you've ever uh, been outside and next to a, an air conditioner, you felt, you know, it, it blows hot air outside. So, you know, that but that's not coming from inside the house. That is the result of the process. Right. Um, and the, the exchange of heat. Now, um, Carrier actually came up with a, a system for buildings. He installed one in 1922 at Grauman's Metropolitan Theater in L.A. Ah, oh, man's Chinese theater. Yes. I've been there. Um, Saw the Matrix sequel. It was terrible. Theater was great. Yes, because the movie theater. was terrible. Um, yeah, and at, at that point, uh, air conditioning uh, was used to uh, feed air or take air in the ceiling and put it out at the floor level, which would be, you know, useful because the hotter air would be toward the top of the room. Right. Um, and the first fully air-conditioned office building, according to uh, Britannica, was the Milam Building 
or Milam. I don't know. It's like M-I-L-A-M uh, in San Antonio in the United States. And that was built in the late 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you know, this hasn't been forever and ever, but there, uh, you know, it's certainly something that, that we use in a lot of the buildings uh, here down south, especially in the yeah, United yeah. States. Um, but there are many, many other types of air conditioning that have been going on for years. Do you want to get into those yet or do you want to go back and get more into the process? First? Let me let me get more into the process okay. of the typical air conditioner because uh, this is what's going to apply, I think, to the majority of our listeners who have air conditioning. Groovy. Um, yeah, so so – and then we can talk about the other kinds, including uh, my favorite, the swamp cooler. Uh, yeah. We'll get into that. So let's let's break this down further about the parts of an air conditioner. So you've got usually typically you have an electric motor. Yeah. And the electric motor uh, you, turns a, a piston. This, this is a very simple compressor. This is like the simplest form of a compressor. So. Mm-hmm. Not all air conditioner compressors are like this, but this this demonstrates the principle. Uh, you would call this a piston compressor or a reciprocating compressor. So imagine that you have a chamber, all right? So a cylinder, let's mm-hmm. say. And inside the cylinder, you have a piston that can move up and down the chamber, which mm-hmm. is sealed. And you the electric motor makes the piston go up and down. Now, at the bottom of this chamber, you have two valves. Okay. You have a an intake or suction valve that will only allow uh, fluid to flow into the chamber. Uh huh. Through and that's that's coming in from the low pressure side of this air conditioner system. Uh, so it's pulling the the refrigerant gas into the chamber. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you have the outtake or the uh, the discharge valve. I was trying to think of the right word for it. Discharge valve would be the right word. Okay. So now this valve only allows fluid to pass out of the chamber. This pushes it into the high pressure side of the air conditioning system. Yeah. So you're pulling from the low pressure, pushing into the high pressure. And both of these valves are essentially spring loaded. Okay. So there's a certain amount of pressure that's, uh, or a certain amount of force that's created by the spring. Yeah. That the system has to overcome in order for the valves to open in either you know, case. So you've got the piston down at the the bottom of this chamber. So it's down against where the valves are. Okay. Right? The the piston starts to pull up. All right. This this creates an area of low pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which creates suction. Yes. Now once that force of suction is strong enough to overcome the spring force of the intake valve, that valve will open. Okay. All right. So you you're you're pulling hard enough to overcome the force of that spring. The valve opens and that pulls the freon gas into that chamber. Okay. All right. Once the piston gets to the top, it stops for a moment. That allows the spring to close on the intake valve. It is now there's no more fluid coming into the chamber and the valve itself is closed. Okay. The piston then starts to move down. Right. This starts to compress the gas inside the chamber. Eventually, you know, it starts to increase the pressure. Eventually, that pressure is going to be strong enough to open up the discharge valve. Mm-hmm. The discharge valve opens, and that means that the freon gets pushed into the high-pressure system. You might ask, well, why is that high pressure on that system? It's because at the end of that side of the, the air conditioner system is that, uh, that expansion valve. All right? The expansion valve is sort of a bottleneck point. Mm-hmm. And because you keep pressing more and more gas into that side and the expansion valve only allows a little bit of that gas to escape at a time, mm-hmm. the pressure increases. Right. All right. Actually, and, and at that point, 
It's not really gas, it's liquid, but we'll get there. So you've got the piston moving, and it's moving at an incredible speed. We're talking like a 1,000 RPM, mm-hmm. so a 1,000 repetitions per minute. So when I'm talking about this process of the piston coming up, pausing, and coming back down, it's doing that multiple times a second, something like between 17 and 20 times a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're pulling that Freon or other refrigerant uh, through the low-pressure system into that chamber into the high-pressure system. The this this gas once it gets pressurized this way it starts to uh, the temperature starts to climb. Mm-hmm. So now the temperature of the freon has increased. That's when it starts to move through the condenser coils, right? And that's when it starts to release heat to the uh, environment. Now it may release the heat directly to the environment. This is why if you were ever to look at an air conditioner outside and you see this this series of of little tubes that are kind of uh, crisscrossing or wiggling back and forth a- across a large surface area. Those are the condenser coils. I think of them as metal intestines. There you go. Uh, do not touch those. No. They are hot. And uh, the reason they are hot is because they're releasing heat into that into the atmosphere. If this didn't work, then air conditioners wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So the heat starts to uh, pull off into the atmosphere. Meanwhile, the gas inside those tubes, that, that temperature starts to decrease because it's shedding the heat off into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The, the gas starts to condense into a liquid. Now, the liquid, by the time it gets to the uh, the, the the expansion valve at the end, um, has reached sort of a moderate temperature. Mm-hmm. It's no longer as warm or as hot as the gas was in the in the first part of this condenser coil series. Right. Uh, now, the expansion valve will only allow, like I said, a small amount of fluid through at a time, uh, and that's what's allowing this pressure to build behind it. Mm-hmm. Once it once the liquid goes through and it enters the low pressure system, that it immediately starts to boil. So it immediately begins to convert into a gas that ends up absorbing the heat from the air. And what you have is a fan right at that section of the air conditioner mm-hmm. that blows this now cooled air into the building or room or whatever. Okay. So the fan provides the air movement so that this cold air can can make its way through the building and cool the entire environment. Yeah, without that ability, it would be semi-useless. I mean, it would be cooling the immediate environment. in one section, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you also have an intake for uh, to to pull air from the the building so that it can be cooled in this section, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got intakes and outtakes. You've got the vents that are pulling air uh, in, and you've got the vents that are pushing air out. And, uh, uh, you know, depending on, you know, a a lot of houses I've seen have the intake vents in the floor, mm-hmm. right? So it's pulling yeah. the warm air or it, it's, it's pulling air. Uh, it's putting cold air at the top to filter down into the, the, um, the house. And then it's pulling air from the bottom in order to cool it through the system. Right. Well, I, I mean, if you, uh, if you've ever stood right in front of an air conditioner vent inside your house, you know that it can be quite cold. Right. Um, and it's even colder. Uh, and, and I don't mean to say that it would be comp- completely useless without fans because my grandmother's house had a, a window mounted air conditioning uh-huh. unit. Um, and uh, of course, you know, that would work just fine, but it wasn't circulating air through the house's vents. It actually was, you know, sitting there in the window and working. Um, and let me tell you, standing in front of that thing, uh, it is a real blast of very cold air. It's right. kind of, it's actually uncomfortably cold. And that's one of the reasons why you would want, 
the air to filter down in the room like that is to sort of diffuse it with uh, the air otherwise in the room and sort of make it a, a, a nice, comfortable yeah, temperature, a normalized not a really a blast of cold air. Um, you know, but but that's just you know one of those things. And we also, I guess, we need to add in the fact that air conditioners are really useful if you have a thermostat. Yes. You don't have to have a thermostat. You can have an air conditioner that's essentially on or off. Yeah. But a thermostat, what that'll do is uh, it's essentially a, a thermometer set with a switch. So when yes. the thermometer hits a certain level or below, then the switch is turned off and the system is is shut down. Mm-hmm. When the temperature creeps up, it activates the switch, turns the air, the whole system on and the air conditioner kicks on. So that's that little clicking noise you hear is when the the temperature the the thermometer inside your thermostat like you've set it to say 72 degrees mm-hmm. and it creeps up to 73, that's the the thermometer then activates the switch. There's you hear the clicking noise of the uh the system turning on and then shortly thereafter you should hear the fan system blowing unless of course you have a really super quiet air conditioner which is awesome. Uh, but then you would start to feel the effects of the AC, and it happens pretty quickly. Like I said, this this is the the piston itself is moving at you know an, an incredible speed. So that's your basic air conditioner. I skipped over a couple little things, like on the high pressure end, you usually have a receiver tank, a holding tank for liquid. Uh, refrigerant that so once it's been pressurized and condensed it goes into this tank and then moves from the tank further into the system to eventually get to the valve um and it can get a little more complicated depending upon the nature of the compressor but that's the basic premise of an air conditioner pretty awesome really yeah yeah no it's it's an ingenious invention so now did you want to talk about some of the alternatives or you know different types of air conditioners well yes um of course um building air conditioners work uh, you know, whole buildings like we're in We're actually in an office building, a very large office building with yeah. multiple floors. And, uh, you know, you'll often see multiple units. Like if you fly over in an airplane and you look at um, like a big box uh, warehouse store or uh, something like an office building like the one we're in, you'll see multiple air conditioning units on top and condenser towers as well. Yes. Which, yes. you know, a condenser tower, essentially, that's just a. a, a area that is specifically designated for condenser coils. It's to create more surface area so that uh, you can have uh, a hotter gas pump through those coils and then the temperature will decrease as it goes, as it releases a a heat to the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember that the temperature of that refrigerant is going to vary. It's all going to depend upon the type of refrigerant that's being used because different liquids boil off and uh, at different uh, temperatures. Right. Um, and it's also going to depend upon the strength of the compressor because the more you pressurize that that fluid, the higher that temperature is going to be. So if you're using like an industrial strength air conditioner, it's probably going to be compressing that fluid and using a different type of refrigerant that's going to get at a much higher temperature than a, a home unit would have. Therefore, you need more surface area to release that heat into the atmosphere and condense it into a liquid. Yeah. What's up, home unit? There you go. Um no, uh, uh, according to our article on HowStuffWorks.com, um, a lot of larger buildings do use a chilled water system. Yes. Which basically uh, – well, you have a problem, see, because if you have all those units on the roof, then what happens to the people on, you know, say a 15-story building? Uh, what happens to all those people on the second floor or third floor? Because that's a long way to go. Right. So what they do is um, essentially they, they – uh, in, in a – 
oversimplification as I want to do on the show. Uh, basically they transfer the, the cooling effect to water and then the, the chilled water is pumped through the building. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the basics. Um, but, uh, it, um, apparently it takes water down to between around 40 and 45 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 4.4 and 7.2 degrees Celsius. And it's just, you know, connect, they pump the chilled water through and it, and it goes to, uh, those are connected to air handlers. Uh-huh. Um, Again, and, these are closed systems. Yeah. And you have to, you have to insulate those pipes too, because mm. otherwise the, uh, you know, cold water inside the pipes, um, they will lose their coolant to, you know, as they travel throughout the building yeah, they to would the warmer the air around. Yeah. Exactly. So you can't really yeah. do that. But, um, yeah. Um, there are also some ice systems where you, this, essentially what you do is you have a, an enormous tank on the top of a building. This, you're this, welcome. This, this really works for, for large buildings, not for houses, but you would have a, a, a storage tank that would hold water. You would freeze that water at night when electricity uh, rates are lower. So it's more, uh, it's not going to cost as much to uh, to actually freeze it. But you freeze that water, and then in the daytime, as the water is, uh, you got this big old block of ice, you have fans blow air against the ice, which creates this chilled air, that conditioned air, that you then can circulate either through the building or you use it again to chill another water line that circulates through the building and thus cools the building. Um, this is a pretty inexpensive way to create air conditioning once you've got the system in place. But putting the system in place is quite expensive indeed because you're talking about building a, a pretty enormous tank and it's 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 not cheap to build. But once it's there, it tends to be less expensive than running a conventional air conditioner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, down at uh, uh, Turner Field here in Atlanta, which is where the Atlanta Braves baseball team plays, um, there's a, a space outside where um, they spray water, yeah, and the fans can walk through that area, and it, you know, it, you don't get, I guess you get a little damp, but it, the effect is the cooling effect because it's, you know, the atomized uh, water feels, uh, you know, it's it, it's sort of like sweat actually, yeah, when, you know, when it evaporates, it, it yeah. makes you feel better. Uh, well, that, they used to uh, they used to do that in the 19th century textile industry. Um, because they were using it for humidification and cooling purposes, according to Britannica. Um, but uh, in India, a long time ago, they used to hang uh, wet grass mats over their windows. Yes. Um, basically doing the same thing. It was uh, the evaporating water would uh, would cool down the room. Yeah, it cools down the surrounding air. Um, because, again, the in order to evaporate, the water needs energy. Mm-hmm. So the water is taking energy from the air around it, the heat from the air around it. And then you have air that has you – know, it's cooler. It's the, the heat has been transferred to the water. Um, yeah, Benjamin Franklin actually looked into this as a way of cooling systems. And uh, uh, he kind of figured it out. As well, and you know, it's been it's been in use for millennia. I mean, mm-hmm. Ancient Egyptians have been doing this. Sure, you know, well, ancient Egyptians aren't doing it anymore. They're not no. doing much of anything other than you know hanging out in museums. But anyway, the uh, which I do too, but I'm actually a little more lively. Anyway, I'm getting off track again. Mummy dearest, thank you. So this actually brings us to what I had mentioned earlier: the swamp coolers. Right. So swamp coolers work on this system, and you might wonder why they're called swamp coolers. Well, it's probably because they can smell a little swampy if you don't 
maintain them properly. Uh, they actually do not work very well in humid environments, and I'll explain why in a minute. The process of a swamp cooler is kind of interesting. What, essentially what you're doing is you're pulling warm air from outside. Mm-hmm. You're blowing that warm air through a uh, a chamber that has usually uh, moist pads in it. So you've got like some sort of padding material that has water that's um, uh, soaked with water. The, the warm air causes the water to evaporate. In that process, the air itself loses some of its heat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a fan blows the cooler air into the environment, into the house or whatever. Now, this is different from an air conditioner in several ways. One of them is, like I said before, an air conditioned system is a closed system, not just from the, the Freon, but also the air inside the building. If you open up a window or open up a door inside an air conditioned house, you know, you'll, you'll hear like your mom will yell, you're letting out all the air conditioning. Well, that's, that's actually true because what it's doing is it's recycling the air inside that system. So if you open up stuff, it's, you're losing that, that, uh, you're, you're causing the air conditioner to work harder right. in order to try and get to the right, uh, temperature. Also, what were you raised in a barn? Right. Do you think we're air conditioning the whole neighborhood? Uh, so a swamp cooler, though, it's pulling air from outside and pushing it into the environment. So you actually have to have a window or door open uh-huh. in order to have air circulation. Otherwise, you're just pumping air into a house until it explodes. Right. That's not entirely, <laughs> not, entirely, it's not entirely true. Like a balloon. Not entirely. Yeah, it doesn't actually happen it's that a way. a brick but, balloon. But you have to. Exactly. Man. Reminds me of my house. But anyway, you have to, you have to open up a, a window really to have this be effective. So it's pulling this hot air from the environment, pushing it through a chamber that has these moist, uh, uh, padding things inside of it. Depends on, you know, the kind of swamp or right. exactly what form it makes, but pads, moist pads, uh, evaporates the air, cools the, or evaporates the water, cools the air, and then the cooler air pulls, is pushed in through by a fan into the, uh, into the house or, Whatever. Now, this only works in really dry environments. And the reason for that is that the temperature of the air is going to be different between the regular dry bulb air, which is the temperature of the air as it is, and the wet bulb air, which is the temperature of the air if it were uh, at 100% humidity. Mm-hmm. All right. So the greater that difference, the more a swamp cooler will cool a building. So if you're in a very dry spot, let's say Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas is pretty dry. The difference between the air's temperature at its normal state and the air's temperature, if it had 100% humidity, will be pretty large. Yeah. Then uh, using a swamp cooler means that that difference in temperature will essentially result in a cooling effect. They can get a house down to around, say, 72 degrees. Yeah. Uh, which is a comfortable temperature for most people. Uh, now, if you were in a very high humid area, like say, I don't know, Atlanta, Georgia, where the humidity can be 80% or greater, the difference between the dry bulb air, which it, let's say it's at that 80% humidity, and the wet bulb air, which is at 100% humidity, is small. The difference is not significant, mm-hmm. really. And so you are not going to get a big cooling effect from a swamp cooler. You may just feel like, oh, the hot air in my house is being replaced by slightly less hot air coming from this cooling system. <laughs> right. Like, that's not, not more comfortable. It's just not as hot. So swamp coolers can work great if you are in a very dry place, a dry, hot place. Yeah. Um, and if you're in a stifling, hot, wet place – 
like <laughs> like most of the southeast, most of the eastern seaboard, really. In the United um, States. Yeah, in the United States, I should say. Yeah, yeah, there are many other places around the world that would have similar problems. Yes, yes, this is true. It's not just us. It's just easy for me to talk about because I have a lot of experience on the east coast of the United States of America. True. Um, swamp coolers are not the best choice for you. Yeah, there, there are problems with, I mean, uh, my father told me about uh, someone he knew who tried the essentially a, a modernized version of the grass mat technique and, you know, blowing air through your house in a high humidity climate when you've been, you know, pumping water down this, you know, surface. Yeah. Basically, you're just adding more humidity and it's closed off, which makes mold and mildew a problem. Yeah. And it's yeah, there's also uh, the not that there isn't with regular air conditioning. No, there can my, be my basement is my the, the top floor of my house is, you know, a pretty decently comfortable but downstairs it's like a meat locker yeah and uh we actually run a dehumidifier in the summer because it can get sort of musty down there so yeah and uh uh really when you when the air is saturated with water i mean we're talking about 100 percent humidity when the yeah. air is saturated with water then you're not going to add more water to that system so that's nope. why the the swamp cooler won't be effective at that point it's also why if uh, you are in the southeast of the united states and it's a very humid day uh, you might start sweating, but you don't feel any cooler because the the sweat is not really evaporating, evaporating. off your skin. It's just accumulating because the air is already so saturated with moisture that that you can't you, you can't add to it. Yeah, that so, makes me feel even warmer. Right, right. That's why you will often hear the phrase, "It's not the heat; it's the humidity." And then you immediately punch that person in the I was face. I'm going to say that's usually yeah. followed by violence. I have been punched in the face many times uh, <laughs> when I've talked to my friends out west. We're like, "Yeah, well, it's 115 degrees out here in Texas," and I said, "Well, it's you know only 98 degrees here, but you know it's not the heat; it's the humidity." In Texas, they like to punch. Yeah, yeah. Cattle. Sometimes I end up. And sometimes Jonathan. It's it's terrible. I mean, it's just blood and barbecue sauce everywhere. Oh. It's, it's it's a horrible thing. Nice. Anyway, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you wanted to add before we kind of wrap this up? Nope. Cool. Well, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I did not mean I to I see do what that. you did there. Yeah, that was totally in- unintentional. Guys, that was well, first of all, Ted, thank you so much for that request. That was great. We had a fantastic discussion. We talked about one of our really cool articles on the site. Like I said, if you guys want to learn more about this, go find how air conditioners work at howstuffworks.com because there's a great uh, article on that and and really this is one of those things that we a lot of us take for granted but it is a pretty cool application of science and technology and I thought it was a really nice topic to tackle so thanks a lot if you guys have any suggestions for topics that you would like us to talk about you can let us know in email our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter and the handle there is techstuffhsw Chris and I will talk to you again really soon be sure to check out our new video podcast Stuff from the Future join Howstuffworks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow the Howstuffworks iPhone app has arrived download it today on iTunes brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry it's ready are you Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. 
So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.